Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. He comes to us from the UK. His name is Luke Dodson. Last name is spelled D-O-D-S-O-N. And if you're watching this on Rockfin or YouTube, you can see his sub Substack page. Uh, it's titled Flint and Steel, so you can check that out. It does a lot of great work and writing. And uh, I've also been on his show, The Dodcast, so you can hear me talk about my book, Global Death Cult. And I think I covered the West Memphis Three too a while back. But those are also available on William Ramsey Investigates. But I came across or just was, I think, on social media and saw that he has an article in a book that was just kind of a compilation book on uh, Jung, right? The uh, great psychologist. And the title of it is Custodian of the Unconscious, The Life and Soul of Carl Gustav Jung. But the title of his article kind of caught my eye was and is the reluctant occultist carl Jung in the esoteric tradition really interesting i really recommend people check that out and read it and it kind of shows that some of these psychologists these these ones we know they're a little bit more interesting maybe than some of the common uh things that we associate with them and i think this is one instance i think gustav young was uh carl gustav young was more willing to read a lot of different subjects and i think that influences thought but Luke can talk more about that. So, Luke, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, so great great to uh, talk with you again. For people who may not have heard our earlier talks, maybe you can just kind of talk about uh, your journalistic interests and academic background and what led you up to this article about Young. Sure. So uh, my, my academic background is in uh, predominantly the study of literature. Um, so I'm very interested in the way that uh, people's narratives and the linguistic uh, frameworks they use kind of uh, shapes our understanding of reality, and this can be a, a tool that can be used for all kinds of all kinds of effects, both good and bad. I'd say um, the uh, my interest in Jung was uh, I was had been interested in before I in in him before I went to university, but I I while I was studying my postgrad i had the the pleasure of studying with um a a, a very a very well respected scholar of religious studies here in the uk a, a a man called leon schlamm who passed away a few years ago sadly um he was an expert on on carl jung's thought from a from a religious studies perspective so he really placed uh carl jung within the um within the history of um of kind of the you know western religious and mystical uh uh, uh ideas uh, currently my blog um over at there he is yeah he's a very um very engaging very engaging chap um great teacher very softly spoken uh, but a powerful presence um my my current blog is as uh, you mentioned uh, flint and steel at substack is um uh, covers a lot of different uh, uh, topics, really. Um, I, I've I've written about um, the environmental movement. Uh, I think we we spoke a bit about that on on the last podcast we did together. Extinction Rebellion wasn't that the, the rebellion and and you know various kinds of um, and we we touched on the sort of gender ideology as well. Um, we. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we 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 spoke about that. So I, I write about some of those sorts of things about um, you know the uh, 
social engineering aspect, the parapolitical aspect of of things, um, but also the you know the the kind of ongoing cultural and civilizational crises we're facing, both the sort of material crises, um, the, the political crises, but also the sort of existential and uh, spiritual malaise that we're we're looking at and obviously this you know that this this touches on on things that uh, both of us uh, have, have written about um so my my podcast i speak to um i i, I like to speak to a wide range of people uh, as you know I, I i just anyone i find interesting uh if they're, they're they're covering something i think needs to be needs to be uh spoken about and given a platform i'll um I'll, I'll I'll be happy to speak to them. So there's been a, a number of different. I've spoken to yourself. Um, we had a good chat about um, global death cult, as you say, and a few other issues. I also had um, James Howard Kuntz recently, uh, Jason Horsley, and Nina Power, um, and um, uh, John Michael Greer. Um, some yeah, there's Lisa Brunette there. She's a, a kind of a, a homesteader. Um, and writer on farming based in Missouri. So yeah, a lot of different topics, you know, sometimes very practical stuff just about gardening and sort of permaculture. Um, uh, um, yeah, so so a lot of different You've things. You've had some that I've had on. I've had Horsley on like five times. Paul yeah. Two, twice. I want to talk to him about his Rothschild book, but that'll be the yes. next show with him. So have a little overlap. Yes, I've spoken to to Paul Kudnek a couple of times. He's a very interesting, uh, very thorough researcher. Yeah, Gary Lackman knows a lot. That's he's. I've read a couple of his books. So you've had some great guests. Like you've covered a lot of interesting topics. Greer is like probably one of the better known kind of uh, cultists, esotericists out there. I would say, at least in our present present era. Yes, Do you agree with that? Yeah. Because you mentioned him in him in this article too, right? This yes, article. yeah. He he's um basically one of the one of the few sensible uh, occultist writers currently operating. He's a uh, you know a pretty a pretty down to earth and uh, uh, a reasonable guy. Unfortunately, a, a huge amount of the as you know, there's a huge amount of um uh you know at best dross within the occult scene uh and at worst you know uh, some of the things that you've written about just uh satanic uh elements there that i think that i think people within the occult community itself need to call them out and say hey this does not this isn't we're not win we don't want to be associated with we don't think that people should be following this you know so i think there's a uh, a lot of a lot of common cause that uh people within the occult scene can make with uh with with people who are, are concerned about um, uh, the nefarious doings of some of these orders that you know you, you've written about and, and and we've touched on before. Agreed. I mean, and you also mentioned like Wooter Hanegraaff. The guy's a literally like a established scholar of the occult. I think in the Netherlands, I think they have some school of higher education. Like he pops up a lot of my research. He right. does a lot of over. So you, I mean, so it's not only an article, you definitely have a lot of references looking into Jung. I mean, what, I guess for people who don't know as much about Jung in the 20th century, maybe we could just do a quick overview. Like he was a contemporary of Freud, differed from Freud in the sense, I think Freud was very much of a hardcore materialist and Jung had a maybe a more 
spiritual outlook, if you if you would, would accept that, um, and different concepts, different concepts more, not as maybe focused on Eros as much as Freud. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. So so Jung himself was a, a kind of a protege of 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 Freud. They they made contact quite quite early on in Jung's career uh, and Jung kind of, uh, Freud kind of took him under under his wing was there was a, a certain amount of um uh paternal sort of projection going on both ways there uh, which they both were aware of um their major break was in Freud's Freud wanted to hold to this sexual theory of the unconscious really vigorously because he knew that if you were to go any further then you would scratch the surface and you'd find something that's much deeper than just purely pure sexuality and sexual repression that there's a the you know that there's ultimately you scratch the surface of um the the inner life of the psyche and pretty soon you're dealing with questions of uh spirit of god of heaven of hell of um religion essentially and myth and this is what Jung was uh, was far more interested in. So they they broke um, after after several kind of very tense arguments that they had, and Jung ended up founding his own uh, school of of psychology, which he called analytical psychology, as a kind of um, a distinct from from psychoanalysis. Um, Jung became uh, he became arguably as influential as freud in many respects um you know there, there's a case to be made that he may well end up his his thought may well end up uh uh surviving many of his ideas may end up surviving uh uh longer freud, like it seems like freud's reputation has declined while Jung's has inclined has, has yeah. increased i would say yeah, and a lot more of his nomenclature and his terms, archetype, uh, the kind of ideas of like, if you're, uh, you know, extrovert, introvert, a lot of these have pervaded our common talk. A lot of people may not know the progenitor of those kind of concepts and things, collective unconscious, things like that, that are specific to Jung's thought. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Things like the shadow. Um you know the idea of integrating the shadow and, and persona people talk about persona like that's yeah. him like and we all have like if you're online or on social media you have a persona so you yeah. have this maybe an unrealized concept of that but you definitely have and we all do to get by in the world have a, like an external yeah personality almost that isn't as, as real as the interior person these all go back to young yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you know like like any like any great figure who's you know very influential can trace uh positive and healthy developments as well as not so positive developments you know I, I, in no way do i think he would ever agree with the gender ideology that we're seeing now but you could argue that maybe some of his ideas about you know the anima animus um maybe could have fed into that you know so i certainly have seen people claiming that uh, and i think there's a potentially a case to be made there so he's a complex you know uh anyone like Jung is going to be very complex and you know nothing's one-sided absolutely uh with with regards to him but certainly um his his reputation just seems to keep on 
on growing and you know more, most recently uh it popularizes like jordan peterson which you know i have i have some i have some questions about jordan peterson that's a whole other show yeah uh, we can critique his uh sartorial choices for uh, oh, yeah. funny clothes he's wearing i don't know very he's interesting guy. Yeah. he's an interesting one and you know not not someone that i would uh Absolutely not someone I dismiss out of hand. He's got some really interesting insights, um, but he's also got some. Yeah, there there are some there are some questions. His, his favorites pop up: Dostoevsky, Young. Um, so Young is definitely on his list as kind of an influential thinker for him. I think. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was interesting. He's kind of got this Batman villain dress thing going this suit that's sort of two colors it looks like something from a batman like joker or or two-face or something and it's kind of i thought that was kind of interesting and revealing but uh anyway yeah that's you can do enough <laughs> well also he kind of like veers off and not just like young but he veers off into some kind of uh maybe esoteric or cold ideas he talks about order from chaos that's like right out of mason that's a masonic disc film you know so, like, I think one of his books is titled that. I don't think it's a mistake. But yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, was it? And he's kind of he's kind of more gnostic. He seems to be more gnostic in his outlook than he's willing to admit publicly. I I wouldn't say he would be a kind of textbook Christian in the sense of that maybe some of his listeners are, but I don't know. That's a whole nother. We could do a whole nother show on that. Yeah, I wouldn't. Be but so I think it's. But I think it's interesting and worthwhile because he's like a, a clinical psychologist. He's absorbed all this information and he's such an influence. Like he's got to be one of the more influential thinkers out there. So, yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, as, as we're saying, you know, with with someone like Peterson, uh, he's he's not as influential yet as Jung. Uh, he whether he is is another question i i don't know but certainly there's there's a lot of that you can you can trace a lot of good and a lot of bad uh there there's, he's a very complex figure um definitely not one sided uh so yes like with these these very um these interesting people who come up and uh, sometimes get boosted now by the algorithms there's a lot that you can kind of you know, there's a lot that you can take that's interesting, and there's some things that maybe are, are worth adopting a more critical eye to. So, yeah. So Jung is there, but he's writing all these different concepts. He's willing to kind of get out away from maybe the rigid, you know, textual kind of materialism of Freud. Like he was into like Eastern mysticism. I mm. think he was in mandalas, like we're drawing mandalas as a a means of understanding and i think in his later life he, had, he basically was a polygamist like i think he was in a relationship with two different women yeah that was, was very non-western yeah he had a very unorthodox lifestyle certainly especially for the time but i mean even now it's pretty unorthodox he had a um a, a mystery he had many many mistresses over the years um some of whom were actually had been his patients so there was a uh the you know the 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 ethical boundaries of psychotherapy just basically didn't exist then so there was no uh you know that wasn't considered a problem back then but as as they as the the profession developed and people realized what 
how damaging that kind of uh, behavior could be uh, because of the power rela power relationship between therapist and patient or client then uh, you know those 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 ethical boundaries then became firmed up um as an aside actually i went to see a psychotherapist in my sort of early-ish 20s um and he was a Jungian, and um i found out later that shortly after we'd you know um finished the 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 sessions probably it was about six months or so that i went there uh he was been he'd been struck off the register for his behavior with a female one of his female uh uh clients and you know it was covered in the daily mail and all this sort of thing because I, I googled his name and i was, <laughs> I was wow. like oh okay right it's, so this it's such cool. an intimate setting like oh my gosh like imagine being a, a shrink and knowing somebody you know you're attracted to everything about their life because that's what they divulge right so he's trying to figure out so it's like yeah that happens much more than i think people talk you know people yeah. get cut absolutely read you're right there's definitely reasons why it's not ethically allowed yeah. i think it was the same with freud too that wasn't freud kind of uh um maybe right yeah i have I, to look I, into that I, I um I, I don't know actually don't know too much about Freud's biography uh, compared to Jung's, I, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that kind of thing was rife back then, and uh, you know um, certainly all the all the progenitors of psychotherapy uh, were were men, uh, not necessarily. So certainly women do these sorts of things too. But I say that the male, probably the male libido has certain. Uh, certain difference from the female um so you know that, that this probably pay, played into it as well um so jung very unorthodox guy unorthodox lifestyle um his children one of his children was asked how was it how was it being raised by by carl jung and they said well how would you feel being raised by a guy who kept a loaded pistol in a the drawer by his bed just in case he woke up and just felt he had to end it all there and then <laughs> it's quite extreme he was a very extreme character you know um prone to these deep visions uh very much an introvert in another term that's introvert extrovert that that's another term that has that came from his psychology that has entered the mainstream lexicon um you know he he had these had a, a, a sort of fantastically horrific vision of europe being engulfed in a tide of blood just before the outbreak of world war one um had all these you know quite remarkable dreams and and fantasies which uh, uh he found were 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 deeply meaningful um he, you know he constructed a, a stone tower like a almost kind of like a wizard's tower for himself at his his home in uh bollingen in in switzerland i'm probably pronouncing that name wrong but it's something like bollingen um and he he built this stone tower by like single-handedly and that's where he went to sort of you know immerse himself in these old alchem alchemical texts and uh um uh such like uh uh and he yeah very 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 unusual man um uh you know a very difficult to work with uh fr from from all accounts you know could be 
extremely extremely tempestuous emotionally as you can imagine yeah and the idea of alchemy too like most people would not associate that with young but he admired the alchemy like we think maybe alchemy is like somebody trying to transmute clay to gold right in real world but then that other side of the psychological alchemy where you progress from what the uh, negredo to i think the red and then to gold that kind of alchemical progression which is modeled in harry potter right harry mm -hmm. potter is the clay but uh he thought that that was it because his and, and you wrote you forward this in your article he believed in that individuation making yourself an individual was a crucial aspect to your uh individual psychological you know well-being right so i think that that you can see that overlap between alchemy and, and young's ideas absolutely yeah yeah he he had this this idea of individuation um was was something that uh, i think that's really where you can see both the influence of the also the influence of eastern uh traditions but also the 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 kind of rejection of it so it's an in, he's he's taking inspiration but he's kind of uh launching off into something mm -hmm. else because you know he the um a lot of the the eastern traditions uh many of the non-dual ones it, it's very much focused on the, a kind of an extinction of the self um an extinguishing of the self in buddhism uh in in many strains of buddhism you know uh, uh theravada buddhism, buddhism particularly mahayana is a little bit different you know there's there's so many different strands of buddhism it's just like you know any any religious tradition there's always going to be people breaking off and kind of going no it's like this and theological disputes but there there are there is a a, a sort of trajectory towards that um you know extinction of the self idea that you get in certain strains of buddhism or or in certain strains of hindu uh philosophy uh the idea of the sort of the the one self that's everything that is all that you know and merging of the merging of the small self with the big big self and jung kind of took that but then he he went off with it in a different direction which is much more western the the western the Western is much more uh, focused on the the distinct the distinct the distinctiveness of the self. It, it's it's an interesting one. So it's Western. Uh, you could say very broadly that Western spirituality is 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 um, tends towards more of the kind of relational aspect. You know, you you find in 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 Christianity certainly is very a, a deeply relational. Uh, uh, spirituality and Judaism as well, and um, I'm, I'm I'm thinking also of uh, the Jewish writer Martin Buber, who came up with a whole sort of um, uh, uh, his whole understanding of some kind of Jewish spirituality was based on an idea of I and now, and that is the the meeting of the the real you know that the understanding of the divine, the understanding of of the spiritual path is in the meeting of of another soul and recognizing that that uh uh that the the the, the purity of another's soul um so anyway there's a little a riff there but but there's 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 so there's something uh in many ways is jung is a kind of a deeply western but also um quite a quite a heretical westerner you know as you pointed out very much uh you know always 
going against the grain of 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 the the mainstream which led to some really interesting some quite interesting debates he had with with um uh clergy people both both of 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 christianity and judaism um so some quite interesting dialogues there that i've not looked into too heavily but i know that he had some really sort of uh fruitful and you know um uh fruitful and interesting i think buber himself actually critiqued jung some of jung's ideas um so there was a, a you know a, a dialogue going on there that with with um with uh, the the sort of the some of the the religious thinkers of the day did did he have any specific background was he like a like reincarnation do you know what his i mean i, I suppose if he's in Switzerland, he's either a Catholic or a Protestant. I mean, raised like that. Do you know if he had those ideas at the end of his life? That's interesting. That's a really interesting question, actually. Uh, if he he may well have done, I would be surprised if he was open about it. But he may well have done. That's really it's yeah. That's his own ideas about the afterlife. I know he felt that the the process of individuation couldn't. Uh, it, it, you know, he 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 heavily implied that that process wouldn't be finished within uh, the the human mortal life. That oh, that was wow. kind of an ongoing thing. Um, I, I don't know about his personal ideas on on the sort of the afterlife. I I know his father was a clergyman as well. Um, was I believe Calvinist. Either Calvinist or Lutheran. I can't quite remember, actually. It makes sense, right? Wasn't Calvin in Geneva? So he was yes. in Switzerland, too. Yeah, so yes, he was. Influences there, yeah. Strong Calvinist presence in uh, Switzerland and, and a strong Lutheran one as well. So very much, I think, within I think within his background, kind of the, the you know, Swiss-German sort of Protestant tradition, which you can see, again, the influence of it both in a sort of a direct way and a kind of negative way of him reacting against it in a similar way to, you know, how he reacted against the Eastern traditions is also sort of, he's always sort of bucking against something. Right. It's, he's much more complex. It's not like he just found some, you know, form of Christianity and that was it for his whole life. It's not like that. And like he has unpublished writing. I think you mentioned that he has this weird red book. He looked okay. into UFOs too, which is, yeah doesn't seem like like he actually you know applied his mind to that and didn't like go over the surface of things but he was like john mack or something like looking in like this is phenomenal these people are experiencing this phenomenon yeah. so he's a much more complex multifaceted i think is very fair and and willing to go into those kind of spiritual places that maybe freud or a materialist wouldn't go collective yeah. unconscious the idea that the psyche presents itself separately for everybody but it's still it's almost like it's like he stated it. At least I got the impression from the article, like it was existent within, like it's coming from within. So people are having the same dreams separately or same experiences or visions separate from each other, like they, hmm. they're inherent or something like that. Did you get that kind of idea? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So the, the, um, uh, you mentioned his work on UFOs and, uh, that, that was, him applying so so Jung would like to apply any any phenomena he would sort of 
try and analyze it if it's as if it was a dream of a patient you know this is almost like the almost like the Jungian approach to life is sort of what is what is uh, what is life telling me with this as if it's you know I'm dreaming and you know I dream of uh you know being in my grandmother's house and and looking at a teapot or something like that you know what do that what, what could those things mean well he was he was looking at the 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 flying saucer phenomenon the ufo phenomenon that was just starting around that time sort of i believe he wrote it in the 1940s or 50s um late 50s yeah so that's that's really coming up he's going right well what could this signify for our unconscious something is changing you know obviously he wasn't necessarily aware of the um the the involvement of the military in promoting a lot of ideas about the uh, the the ufos um um but nonetheless you know it doesn't his uh his thinking about it doesn't necessarily uh, also discount that sort of uh, the the parapolitical aspects of it because obviously something was there was something there a receptivity within the public to these flying saucers which he 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 i believe he he uh related the the saucer shape the disc shape of many of these reported um um objects that people were 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 witnessing um he he related that to the the roundness of the mandala because he had this sort of uh this fascination with how so many images that his patients would come up with images what he called of wholeness or a sort of psychic stability and centeredness were often of um kind of you know a a a circle with a square uh you know maybe with a another shape inside and he related these images to uh the, the mandalas of tibetan buddhism which have the mandalas have their own very different meaning within practitioners for practitioners of tibetan buddhism but he kind of took the the name and went well this is there's something here there's a sort of uh something centering or grounding about these uh these images that he's he's seeing in his uh the 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 artwork and visions of his of his the patients he's working with right and there's i mean i think later in his life he is he's drawing them himself. There's like a documentary I saw about him in fairly decent size, like on the ground, like on the floor of a studio or something, like tinkering around. If you're watching this on YouTube or Rockman, these are actually some of the mandala, mandalas I think he he drew. Yeah. I think that there's some are still extant or something. Like this is one for sure. Yeah, yeah. His um his artwork is quite remarkable. Uh it's it's very strange and you know if anyone hasn't looked at had a chance to have a look at some of the um some of the images and pages from the red book which he mentioned earlier which was totally private he 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 locked it away in a vault and there was actually a, a after he died um and there was a legal process of getting it released and published um an academic here in the uk um Sonu Shamdasani, uh, he he was instrumental in getting the Red Book uh, published, um, going through the process with the with the Carl Jung estate, and it's a it's a weird book. 
it's a really really weird book um and and was a uh an illustrated manuscript detailing the visions he was having um and yeah this is is the 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 guy was was clearly uh prone to some very intense experiences that we can definitely say that um and and the right, art... no, drug free too right like so he's right around when hoffman is built like he had to be very close to hoffman in switzerland but still having kind of these vivid visions uh and writing about them like he's clearly part of his his life yeah yes yes he he actually was was very very cautious and very um wary of the the psychedelic movement and he said this is don't mess with these things guys these will this will blow blow open the the door hatches and you know he he knew what the sort of the the potency of of um of of engaging with you know what he called the unconscious he knew the 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 power of that and how dangerous it could be uh and uh you know he was he, right he right he was right he like passed away right at the beginning of the 60s so yeah yeah right 19, all that stuff yeah I, I think 1962 or something wasn't it yeah um, yeah right about the time when uh, huxley died and then you know uh uh the 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 psychedelic revolution was really taking place I, i'm actually writing something uh about that at the moment i'm trying to sort of unpack what what really happened with the psychedelic revolution and whether it really was um uh as as positive as some of its proponents would 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 have us believe you know and i i would have counted myself among them some years ago i've i've uh i've become a little bit more wary of them um in, in it's the... easy it's easy to remember huxley's date of his passing because he c.s lewis and jfk all died on the same day that's it, right so, yeah. yeah it's uh november 22nd 1963 very strange that's yeah, a very that's, that's a synchronicity in itself yeah that is a secret that is a correspondence and a synchronicity yeah. really important figures like c.s lewis is a giant so is huxley and so is jfk oh yeah all dead, yeah like these brains and uh, i think huxley when he was passing away his wife was administering lsd into his mouth to she facilitate will. yeah so yes yes uh so all of them uh fascinating and complex figures um you know uh that with regards to huxley his own i mean i have i have family connection to huxley actually through my great-grandfather who who was friends with him um and worked with him on 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 some things and yeah huxley is a, a also a very very complex figure you know very much connected to the 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 global the proto-globalist machine you know and uh himself a kind of a proponent of things sort of polygamy and and psychedelics and a lot of these things which became very very uh, prevalent in culture shortly after his death and and still are kind of with us and you know i think we we perhaps are seeing some of the the blowback from uh you know sort of the the excessive cultural experimentation with these things now sort of you know the, the drug scene the party scene polyamory scene i think there's a lot of people who are coming out of that 
a, a bit damaged to say the least you know I, yeah but, no i've yeah. seen a lot of people i grew up in northern california and there was right. a lot of casualties there's a lot yeah. of drug casualties around people who i mean we had i mean we like i grew up where a guy clearly called him the acid man and he was just out of his mind to drive around and spray painted his bike so it was like growing up as a child you like see this like the wreckage is right in front of your face yeah like super yeah. dangerous and uh, young would be right and i think that huxley was uh maybe irresponsible but i think the brave new world is a really terrifying book if you look at it because it's very close to where we're at like just like this polyamory yeah. and yeah. no christian no values and yeah uh selective kind of eugenicist uh, on crack and tampering with babies in the womb like i've seen it right in front of my face with this shot like it's yeah. unbelievable yeah so yeah. Uh, and that kind of cold sterile amorality i think is yeah. what it is it's not like human beings are sacred don't mess with god's plan it's like let's just start tinkering around with it it doesn't matter because we we can yeah. play god so it, it's uh, it's the inversion of that it, it's like the inversion of the idea that there's something intrinsically sacred to life there is yeah. something about this uh this 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 physical reality actually which is it, it's it it it, it comes from a divine source and therefore we have to treat it with with great care we have a you know it's our our prerogative our duty it's your duty it's your religious duty. as a human yeah it's your duty yeah yeah and and it's this sort of inversion of that it's like no we we are the gods and we can play like it, it's so yeah i mean brave new world is, is a fascinating one because it, it was actually inspired by the ideas that his friends were were circulating and and he himself actually was wasn't wasn't too far off that you know he he had his reservations which came out in the book he, he was he, he described it as kind of a way a, a satire on hg wells who was a close friend of his and also a fabian uh, member. same kind of outlook right same kind of yeah. um uh but but yeah well, it's scary. I, and I think they people are still referencing huxley's famous speech at berkeley right it was the final revolution or whatever they call i forgot the title good. of it yes everybody's drugged out and then you walk around your, your local pharmacy everybody's picking up prescriptions like here yeah. in the states i don't know what it's like in the uk but here man it's like people are drugged to the hill on all kinds of weird pharmaceuticals and stuff yeah i i, I have I, I i have heard from friends in the states that it is a uh, um that you know that the legal sort of prescription pharmaceuticals or psychiatrics are have just you know gone gone off the you know just yeah. completely gone off the oh, charts. Oh, but the, the illegal the illegal stuff as well is just you know i mean you, you must see it almost daily there in, in california the sort of san francisco i call it a fourth world country i don't call it a third world because it's more like mad max or escape from new york i'm not exaggerating it's really bad and the city stinks it's i grew up in san francisco so to me it's like a personal thing like i'm just watching this they call it a doom loop but it's like because of the drugs and fentanyl and lousy leadership and uh, just that whole, it's a really redolent mix of just awful stuff. But yeah, yeah. but yeah, I think that it's a tolerance for the, the pill as a solution. Right. And I think that ties into young and everything is like, maybe we are, we shouldn't be tinkering around with the stuff because I don't I don't actually think a lot of the psychiatric drugs don't really work. And I think that Zoloft and Prozac and all that stuff, it's just as as sketchy as like the COVID. I bet all of those 
trials and everything, even for the psychiatric drugs, were all fixed, just like these other ones. Were. People just need to analyze it. But I've seen people on these antidepressants for their whole life. It doesn't really work. It just puts them into like a fugue state. So yeah. I'm very suspicious about any so-called antidepressants. And I think that maybe that you should feel depressed. Like you sh maybe you need to feel anxious. Maybe it's like your mind telling you something. Like go to find a place of peace or try to find something that you can do that makes you happy. Like maybe that's it. Like maybe you're supposed to have melancholy sometimes. So you can try because then you know what it's like to have a really good time. Like without mm -hmm. those experiences, you know, I mean, and people like, like that's instead of fixing the political situation or the social situation or the financial situation, they just medicate themselves. So mm -hmm. it's like a, it's a fake panacea yeah, to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would very much agree. I, I think that there's, yeah, that there's a, there's a real danger in this idea that everything has to be fun and happy and breezy all the time, you know, because there, there is a, there's a weight to life, you know, it's a, uh, you know, this is this is this is something that the the the, the great religious traditions uh, try and teach us. You know, the, the 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 Christian sort of the Christian allegory of bearing one's cross is the sort of that is there there is this weight, you know, then and there is suffering there, and and there is meaning to be found within that suffering, you know. But if you just trank it out and just dope it out and just ah oh, no, you know, whatever. Right. Whatever I need to numb the pain, whether it's a a, a, a spliff or a, some pills or some pornography or whatever it is for that person. Booze, alcohol. Yeah. I go to my local like grocery store and right there at the front of the register is just the quart and a half glass bottles of, you know, whatever you want. Gin, vodka, scotch. And I think they put it there because that's what people are doing. Like, mm -hmm. it's like you don't have to go go even to the alcohol section. You can just grab your bottle and go yeah. and 20 well, bucks. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of self-medication beyond just the pharma medication. But I mean, I think it goes into young. Young, I think, was willing to look into uh, concepts maybe that other that distinguish him from other known whatever you want to call it, psycho psychologists or research. I think that that's kind of what your article just shows is like he's talking about entities, his visions, like very like some people would say, I'm never going to talk about these things, but like, like, is this my imagination or is this a, something external from me or the collective unconscious? Like you can go into that level. Like you said, the, the global self capital S E L, you know, I think that that's part of the collective unconscious is like mm. Uh, mm. that concept. But I think that, that, that makes it much more interesting too, maybe. Yeah. Some of these other guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's what, what gives him this this um, perennial appeal and interest to people who are looking for something a little bit further beyond what they might just be studying most of the time in the in the academy. You know, when I was an undergrad, I, I was I, I was seen. My, a lot of my lecturers saw me as being a little bit weird for being interested in Jung, uh, not in a not in an unfriendly way, but just in a bit of like. <laughs> Would you want to look at that? He's weird, you know. Um, some of them, some of them were fully on board and said, "Yeah, go for it." This is, you know, I've I've, I've had some really uh, open-minded teachers uh, who who really encouraged me there, so I was very lucky. But a lot of them were just sort of going, 
<laughs> Maybe Young was way just way ahead of his time because he foresaw internet culture with all this kind of strange stuff. Green men, ayahuasca, drugs, um, occultism that's uh, ever present now. It's a part of our kind of society. Occult ideas in the culture. It's esoterica in the culture, which was always kind of maybe around, but not as not as as knowing in front of the mind. I think is really today. Like people really want to learn about some of the stuff they have access to it that they may not have had. You yeah. would have to have gone to an occult bookstore or something, or yeah, you know, yeah. something like be trained or, or be initiated of some sort, one, one way or another. So Jung was much more ahead of his time, and those overlaps between the occultism and his thought. You like you go through your article and point out those ones where like the active imagination isn't much different than what wb yates was doing in the golden dawn you know so mm. yeah yeah the, the same he same the same term you know uh so yeah yeah i i, I think that I, I think he certainly would have of uh had a role in 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 disseminating these ideas you know certainly again for better or worse it's like now you've got a lot of stuff on TikTok, you know, you can just search on TikTok for all kinds of strange new age ideas about manifesting and, you know, and, and some of it is really, really, some of the stuff on TikTok, I'm told is just really <laughs> bad advice. We'll put it like that, you know. I mean, but you, I mean, the thing that distinguishes Jung from all that stuff is you have a first-rate mind, like, looking into these subjects, flying saucers, red book, visions, mandalas, all that stuff. So I think that he's also kind of an enriching, like, it doesn't seem like he's coming across as, as you know, he's, he's willing to kind of look at these phenomenon or these concepts without kind of a cynical eye to me, is my sense, like, hey, yes. this stuff does happen. Do you get that sense, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. I think that he 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 treads a really good line in in being a, a sort of overly credulous, you know, like some some sort of a lot of a lot of uh, uh, commentators on these topics can be. Uh, but also, um, uh, he he he, you know, he he balances it with a, with an open mind, but you know, a mind that's not too open. Uh, do you have time for a few questions, Luke? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, uh, Joker's asking, what are your thoughts on Rudolf Steiner in regard to all this? I know you mentioned him in the article. Yes, great question, because uh, I, I, I went into this a little bit in the, the piece I wrote, and I did some research on this. So Carl Jung uh, did not think very highly of Rudolf Steiner at all. Uh, he, he was very, dis interestingly, actually, he was very dismissive of a lot of the other... Um, you know, uh, alternative spiritual esoteric writers around that time. He thought they were just, you know, too much gobbledygook, too many claims that couldn't be substantiated. So he was very, he wasn't, he wasn't impressed with Steiner or he saw Steiner at all. Uh, Steiner uh, was a little bit more favorable to Jung, but said, you know, he's, Jung's kind of getting somewhere, but not quite, isn't, you know, he's got some things wrong. Um, but yeah, that that there is that there is a lot of overlap. There is a book that was written about the two characters, kind of from an anthroposophical perspective, kind of from the Steiner community, called uh, Jung and Steiner: uh, The Birth of a New Psychology. Um, I can actually just—it's on my shelf, so I can just—I've got it right here. It was uh, by Gerhard Ware. There, 
Here we go. Yes, Gerhard Ware, with a foreword by um, uh, Robert Sardello. Uh, Robert Sardello is one that I actually found out from. I, I found out about Robert Sardello's work by from um, Piers Kanuka of the Resistance yeah, yeah. Recovery Podcast. Um, he's a very interesting guy as well. Um, so yeah, that's um, that that's that's a kind of that's a that's it's coming from that book is coming from very much a Steiner perspective, um, uh, but it has some interesting background on how they related to each other um and you know what what parallels there are and what what differences they had interesting and don is asking about a near-death experience that young had are you familiar with that at all uh if, if you could remind me about that that yeah they're, they're that was this something in his childhood, perhaps? I, I, I'm actually my Don, Don, if you can write and ask, uh, yeah, if you know about it, maybe you could just add to the chat, Don. Let's see, there's another. She asked that. That, that sounds that does that sounds familiar, but I'm I'm not gonna. Um, did he go into any detail about the uh, alien abduction phenomenon? I I don't know. Actually, I'm not aware of that. Um, when he wrote flying saucers the book on the little pamphlet on flying saucers uh i, I don't know how much um how much the the abduction stories how well known they were i actually don't know that's a really good question that's something to maybe look into that would that would be a that would be a fascinating article in itself if, if anyone did find any um uh uh details on on how how he, he he approached that right i mean this is a really complex figure so there's so much to young that's uh like you, you could do a bunch of episodes 10 episodes on young and his ideas and thoughts and there's there's a lot of film of him too like there's a lot i think there's been a few documentaries and uh, so people can check that out on youtube because i was kind of just kind of scanning through a lot of his stuff um yeah. But Luke, we're at the 50-minute mark. Is there anything you'd like to add, anything amiss, or where can people read this article? Um, so the article is in uh, an anthology uh, called uh, Carl Jung, uh, Custodian of the Unconscious, and that uh, that is available from Blackfront Press. Uh, so you can email... Hang on, I'll just actually get the, um, the, the details uh for that one so yeah if you can send email me the link to i will put it in the show notes so people can just kind of click through if they're interested in a great it's yeah. a recent book like it's a recent publication 2023 right yeah it's just come out and um uh you can you can get a if you email uh troy southgate at um blackfront press at all one word at yahoo.co.uk um then you can uh you can get a copy there um and um my my website is at flintandsteel.substack.com. Um, you can find whole arc, complete archive of of the articles and podcasts, including the the previous ones that we've done together, and um, you know a whole bunch of other stuff besides. And uh, you know I encourage people to uh, to get in touch if they if they do if they do find anything interesting there, then then I, I always like to to make a, a personal connection with the people. Who uh, 
read my stuff and listen to my content uh you know i think it's always good to have a, a, a direct feedback with people great so it's flint and steel on substack you can see listen to the podcast there i think you're at the you know 52 full podcasts some of my guests or some of your guests as well and they mm. can contact you through substack as well if they want to reach out to you is that right Yes, yes, I believe so. I think that, that if certainly if you're a, a subscriber, you'll get the emails. Um, but I think there are there are, I, there is some way of contacting me through the Substack platform. It should be fairly fairly straightforward. Gotcha. And Joker has one last question: Does he know about Britain first and all that stuff with Extinction Rebellion? He knows a lot about it. Uh, do you want to? Extinction Rebellion, yeah. So, well, we actually spoke a bit about Extinction Rebellion, you and I, in our first or second podcast. I think it was the second one. Yeah. Sounds right. Because actually, Extinction Rebellion was the phenomenon that got me into back into writing about contemporary topics because I was so concerned about what seemed to be a very strange um uh, sort of histrionic death cult emerging basically on my doorstep with people i knew being involved directly uh, i was so concerned about that and i had my own questions about the climate change uh narrative i'm not you know i'm i'm not i'm not a hundred percent uh i'm not a hundred percent i'm not i'm not i don't think that climate change is necessarily not happening I don't know exactly what's causing causing it. Certainly, seems to be changing, but the the hysteria over it, I had some questions about. So yes, I, I'm I'm quite aware of Extinction Rebellion, uh, Britain First. I I don't know too much about them. I don't, as far as I know, they have no would have no overlap with Extinction Rebellion, being kind of on the opposite side of the. But they seem to be. I think Britain First were a break off of the British National Party. Um, but I, I don't think they're around much these days. I'm not sure. I think there's been very, there are various other things uh, going on with kind of the British, um, the British right at the moment. You know, um, the, there's characters like Tommy Robinson, who's suspected to be, uh, well, you know, People suspect his his motives or his back backing. Certainly, there seems to be some interesting details as to who's backing him. Uh, and most recently, here with our our own what we call uh, Veterans Day over here is Remembrance Day. Um, there was some clashes in London, uh, which are very conveniently timed, because now the government is announcing a a, a crackdown on sort of public gatherings and protests, you know, giving the police more powers. Uh, in response to the the unrest that happens on happened on Re- Remembrance Day, so yeah, I I would imagine that with with a group like Britain First, that probably there was some uh, some infiltration going on there as well. I, I I don't know too much about it. Awesome, and you can reach out to him on Flint and Steel on Substack, guys. So you can ask him more questions and see his other articles. He's not just talking about young. There's a lot of different topics and subjects. So check that out and the article. That we covered, which is in the book, Custodian of the Unconscious. The article is The Reluctant Occultist, Carl Jung, and the Esoteric Tradition. And it's Luke Dodson, D-O-D-S-O-N. And I'll put links in the show notes. Thanks so much time for your uh, so much for your time, Luke. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's uh, really great to talk to you yeah, again. Likewise. Stay there.